Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about fruits and vegetables. Um, since it's actually June, which is National Fruit and Vegetable Month, which the only reason I remember that is because when I was a grocery store dietitian, we did so many things in June to focus on fruits and vegetables. So uh, we decided to talk about it on a whole podcast episode today. So before we dive into that, Nicole, what's been new? What's been happening in your world? Mm-hmm. Well, as I was just telling you, I'm very uninspired by anything that does not involve being outdoors. And mm. so I'm just finding it difficult to live life. Um, everything from working out, um, if that's inside. Although I did go running outside this week and that was super nice. Um, but basically, I'm in full-on vacation mode and I just want to be in the sun, water, reading, playing, um, I'm realizing I should have been a teacher. So <laughs> other than, it, you know, we live in a vacation town, which you guys will see in a couple of days. Very I think by the time that. we post this, it, you guys will have already visited, but yeah. um, I'll let you talk more about that because you guys have way more going on than we do. And other than, oh, Shay is officially done with all organized sports. So I, at the age of four, I probably shouldn't be celebrating that, but uh, it <sighs> seems like we were, we had four t-ball games last week and I, it just. And we skipped one of them. Wait, do you mean she's done for the season or you're not doing it again? Oh, yeah, no, just done for the season. Sorry. Okay, okay. When when you said that, I was like, wait, officially done? Like it was terrible? Because it looked really, looked like she was having a good time. Okay. Oh, did you see the Insta story I posted where she bit it? She was running in a first face and she she literally just like fell on her face. And I did not see that one. How did I miss that? Like game stopped. Coach had to get her a (laughs) Band-Aid. Waterworks, like the whole deal. You know, organized sports with four-year-olds is something else, let me tell you. But no, we're just like taking the summer off. Like no tennis, no no anything. And I'm just going to enjoy. And yeah, the evenings just go by too quickly. And you know, it stays light here until literally 10 p.m. Like Mark and I are climbing into bed at 10 o'clock and it's the sun. Like it's, I would still consider it pretty much daylight outside. Wow. I'll have to bring my melatonin then. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It has to be like pitch dark for me. (laughs) The guest quarters are in the basement, Gina. So you do have a window. Um, (laughs) I get a dungeon. That's all I need. (laughs) You get a cold. I know. It's Hopefully it's not as bad as it sounds, but no, yes. I'm sure it'll be great. We have to go to yacht club during the day, and then I get a dungeon at night. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, and I was like, what am I going to make them during their visit? I'm going to do a charcuterie board, I think. And because oh, wait, I I've seen see- your charcuterie boards; they rival Nick's actually. Oh well, maybe Nick yeah. and I could do it together. Ooh, you could have a charcuterie off. A charcuterie <laughs> off. That sounds. <laughs> That is that is my love language right there. I mean, just food, friends. I'm really looking forward to your visit. I've been telling Shay, you know, all about Paige and Cameron and just trying to prep her for, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't want her. I want her to be a good sharer and just be the hostess with the mostest. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. <laughs> but I anticipate meltdowns and moodiness and I'm totally okay with that. You know, it's going to happen. So what I'm but really hoping for is that your kids show my kids yeah. just how wonderful they are at eating fruits and vegetables. 
Oh my gosh. Well, and maybe hey, everybody will come out of the weekend healthier I, and happier. That would be great. And and I'm sure you guys are going to have foods there that we've never tried. That's kind of my new thing is getting them to taste new fruits and vegetables. So I know in Michigan, I mean, it's still the um, Midwest, but you guys will have different, you know, foods that you, you prepare so many unique, fun things. So I'm excited for that. Maybe you'll make something really nifty and simple and they'll try it. Or even just going to the grocery Maybe you guys just have new foods and unique foods at your grocery store that we've never seen. I don't, going to a new place and trying new things is, you know, big for us. I try wherever we go somewhere, something even simple, like a new type of popsicle. I don't care what it is, mm-hmm. but just exploring new flavors, new ways to use fruits and vegetables. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited for them to be in a different household and um, around new people, especially Paige. I think this will be good for her. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been getting them ready as well, but well, at least Paige, you know, Cameron's a little bit younger than Piper. I think by six, would you, six months? Cause she's in June. Does she, does she turn uh, three this month? No, not till September. Oh my gosh. Why did I think she was? Okay. So she's really not that much older than, um, Cameron. I don't know why I was thinking June. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that Piper and Cameron are just going to be the best of buds. <laughs> I hope so. Because, you know, they're still in that stage. Well, at least Cameron is. I would think Piper is too, where they don't, they get around kids their age. They don't necessarily play with them. They'll mingle and like look at each other mm-hmm. and say a few words. But they don't really play together. Is Paige or is Piper still in that, in that phase? Um, yeah. I mean, she's more of an observer, I would say for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think Paige was in that stage for a while. And then once she got, I would say closer to three and a half when she actually started really playing with other kids rather than just like being side by side and, you know, maybe mingling here and there, sharing something here and there, but actually they play together. And I feel like knowing what I know about Paige and definitely knowing Shay, playing with other kids often means bossing them around. So it will be interesting to see how those two alphas get along. (laughs) She's met her match. That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be so much fun. I'm so looking forward to that. So, so yeah, we just got, that's funny. My dad just said to me, well, my mom said, you guys are going on two vacations back to back. And I'm like, well, this isn't necessarily a vacation. It's a weekend getaway, but yeah, we're Why not? Why not go back to back? You guys are so brave though. I mean, eight hours in the car turning around and then, cause you guys got back today is Wednesday for reference Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you got back yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday around 3 PM. Yep. And you're hopping in the car again on Friday. Yeah. But you know what? Honestly, Ugh. my kids, they did great. I mean, the car ride, now granted, we did have my mother-in-law with us, which was super helpful um, because she basically sat in the back and played with the kids. And we kind of went back and forth. I would sit in the front and then we'd switch places. But it was really nice having that kind of buffer. Um, but otherwise, our kids did really well. We did run out of um, uh, high speed. What, what it, We ran out of minutes or oh, we, didn't, we don't have- Data. Yes. We ran out of data. So Nick had to buy us. This was before we even left to come home. So we had 12 more hours to come home. And we ran out of data and Nick had to go on AT&T and buy us more data. So I was like, yes, we cannot make that car ride back without any internet. I mean, we just, that sounds terrible. I mean, I know, you know, when I was a kid, I did it many times, but I feel like, and we were talking about this in the car, I feel like we were better at entertaining ourselves because we didn't have that option. And that's kind of sad saying it out loud. Um, 
I mean, they would have been fine. I would have had to work harder. So in reality, it was it was for my benefit. Let's be honest. We all know this. Um, but we were like, we need to get on AT&T and get more data. For, for 12 hours, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, I think my parents mm-hmm. just did a really good job of, of making sure I had games. I had Game Boys. What's the difference, right? My kids don't have that. So anyway. I feel like my life has been enriched because I had a gay boy. I'm just saying. So <laughs> I don't really see. <laughs> like I agree. I, I learned it's like hand eye coordination. There's so many benefits to Game Boys. Tetris. Basically, I entered ge- uh, ge- what is trig- trig- Geog- tr- trigonometry. Uh, trigonometry. Yeah. Trigonometry. Right. Uh, yeah, that one. Ge- or is it mm. geography? Mm. It's not geography. What's the one with the G? Need some Tetris not- in my life. This is terrible. Um, what is what's the math geometry the geometry oh we're real brilliant this oh is terrible God. i always have the excuse that it's too late we podcast too late and i can't think of words it's two o'clock p.m right now oh boy <laughs> you know what though it was it wasn't my strong suit apparently i needed more tetris in my life and it's been a long time since i did whatever that geometry is so we've lost geometry it i actually did really well in geometry it's the one math i did well in okay so lastly i will say yes we just got back from vacation um, we're getting back in the car on Friday, shorter trip, obviously. Um, and, and so much fun. I was going to say my dad, he was like, are you, you're going on another vacation with your kids? Like, why wouldn't you leave your kids home? And I was like, oh, don't worry. They've got two kids, the exact same age as Paige and Cameron. So we're all good. Um, so yeah, I think that'll make it much better. You know, the vacation we went on last week or this week, I guess there were no kids, um, for my, either of my kids to play with. There was a baby who was four months old. Uh, that's about it. So so this will be this will be. But your great kids for them. were like had- hanging out in the hot tub. I was like, they are living it up, watching TV from the hot tub. I was like, that's basically Mark's dream. Like your <laughs> kids are living his dream right now. <laughs> I know it was awesome. It really, really was. Yeah, it was great. Okay, very cool. So they're gonna have a lot of fun. I'm excited about that. So let's dive in. Wait, to- I have one question. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. I think, I think you were gonna tell me about your new way to organize recipes. Mm. Yeah. So I do have that. So I was listening to. Um, the Girl Next Door podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. And they were talking about their new favorite things. And one of them was talking about her new way of organizing recipes. She bought all these little plastic, like, fold or, you know, uh, sleeves that she put in a giant binder. And I, it's, she went on and on about it. It seemed much more intense and in-depth than what I actually did. But it kind of made me think. Currently, all I have, all I had, you know, as of, I would say a month ago, was a green two-sided folder, folder, like one of those things that you buy for elementary or middle school, just a folder, a a random paper, Mm -hmm. simple folder with two sides, two folders, and literally overflowing, like an overflowing bulging wallet with recipes. Um, The left side was all my entrees or like savory foods, and on my right side were all my desserts. And it was just... Ter- I mean, it was just terrible. And I was listening to the podcast and I was like, you know, I think it's about time that I organize my recipe. So I went out and I bought a big blue uh, like binder and I got a bunch of those little plastic sleeves and some dividers and I uh, put together a, I would say, fairly well-organized binder full of recipes that are divided into entrees, slow cooker recipes, pressure cooker re- recipes, sides, appetizers, desserts, quick breads. And then a whole sleeve for recipes that I haven't made yet that I want to try. Uh, so yeah, and I'm and you know how good it feels when you just organize something that you've wanted to organize for a while and it's finally done. That's how I felt. 
you're much more inspiring than I. No, I no recipes, especially the ones that you want to keep around for sure. Yeah, I have so the, many that I haven't tried. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's a cluster. Well, I've got a whole folder for that, a whole you know sleeve of you know recipes for that. And I only keep, I don't keep, I'm very picky about which recipes I keep. If I make a recipe and the family doesn't like it or if I don't like it, I mean, I don't keep it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it again. So what's the point? I only keep recipes that, and I usually put like a little, like a little grade, like out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's very subjective, obviously. I just put a, a, you know, eight out of 10 or nine out of 10. And then I'll write a little note like this was really easy or I'll make little tips for myself for the next time I make the recipe. Because, uh, you know, I want my kids to, you know, when they become parents or adults, I should say, and they're living on their own, I want them to have recipes that they liked as a child or that that I always made um, or maybe that they didn't like, but maybe they'll try again uh, to take with them to their first home. So we'll see how long it lasts. We'll see how long this organization lasts and if these recipes even make it that long. We'll see. It's worth it. But it's a start. Yep. Yeah, I have, I've got lots of cookbooks, but... I don't know. I, I just really prefer, I think I've told you this before, going online, printing out recipes from blogs or whatever websites, and then just putting them in a folder. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just easier for me. But all right. So what else? Anything else? I don't think so. Are we ready to dive into fruits and vegetables? Fruits and vegetables. Okay. So so like I said, June is National Fruit and Vegetable Month, probably because they're so plentiful um, during the month of June, especially, well, yeah, I mean, throughout the country, I would say that all the best, mainly I would say fruits, um, are just abundant. Uh, I know you said in Michigan, what are the big ones in the um, summer? Actually, funny you say that because something that we could do this weekend is strawberry pick. The patches mm-hmm. open up tomorrow. So we oh, nice. kind of start with strawberries. It, it's a little late this year because it's been approximately two degrees all of June. Um, but <laughs> not that I'm bitter about it. Uh, but usually <laughs> strawberries and then we'll get into uh, cherries are always around the 4th of July. Peaches, mm-hmm. I've heard because of um, a late frost, we've lost all the peaches this year. But usually those are in July, August. And then um, all sorts. You got your berries in July, August, blueberries. Blueberries are always kind of like August, September. They're a little bit later. Um, yeah. And then yeah, apples, of course. Lot. We have a ton. Yeah. A ton. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. I have. I, I need to do better at actually getting my kids out to do picking of fruits and vegetables. We go to the market. We'll go to the um, farmer's markets. We'll go to the grocery store and pick out local produce or you know, things that are in season. We'll also grow it in our backyard, but we don't ever go like strawberry picking or we should do that. Um, I mean, obviously we've got plenty of time to do that. So maybe we'll make that a goal for this year. So why are fruits and vegetables important? I know I'm not going to go over in too much into depth on this one because I think we all know, um, but I'll just kind of briefly touch on this. They fight chronic diseases. They are good for skin and eye health. Uh, like we talked about last episode, it's good for prevention of constipation. Of course, it's also important to note that if you eat too many fruits and vegetables, it could actually have the opposite problem, but that's, Mm -hmm. I would say, fairly hard to do. Honestly, I think the biggest issue is when people all of a sudden decide that they want to start eating more fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables, I would say, because they typically have less water content and they load up on vegetables and then they also don't drink enough water. Um, That's really the only... Uh, I would say downside to eating too many fruits and vegetables is when you do it too fast and you're not hydrating enough because it could cause constipation. But generally speaking, fruits and vegetables are good for prevention of constipation. 
Um, also prevention of diarrhea. So it can be good for IBS because um, of all that soluble fiber. Overall, I feel like fruits and vegetables are that one part of, you know, nutrition science that never wavers. You know, anything else, mm-hmm. it's like one day it's good, one day it's bad. Honestly, I don't think I've ever heard anything bad that, that anyone's ever had to say in science about uh, fruits and vegetables. I feel like it's always they are good. We need them in our diet. We need more of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if Gina, you've heard people say that, like, oh, but the pesticides and blah blah. Mm. You know, conventionally mm-hmm. grown fruits and vegetables. To, you know, using washing techniques, of course, but those even on the dirty dozen lists and things like that, it's still the benefit of consuming so far outweighs, um, you know, the, the detriments of not. And so, you know, organics is a, is a great option if that's something that you have access to and, you know, the money to, you know, to do, but, um, conventional fruits, vegetables, and as we'll talk, you know, those are still wonderful. So I, that sometimes is a cop out for people. I hear it quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. just want to dispel that one. Yeah. And there's lots of homemade, you know, you can make homemade uh, sprays to get rid of the excess pesticides. If if you're worried about that, there's, they also sell them in the grocery store. If you don't want to make them homemade, um, you can also not buy fruits and vegetables off the dirty dozen list. Uh, also, also what I typically do, I don't even, I rarely buy organic unless it's something that we eat a lot of. I mean, even when I buy pears, which I believe is on the Dirty Dozen, mm-hmm. I we rarely eat pears, but every once in a while I have a craving for a good pear, and I know Paige likes them. So I won't even buy them in organic because we don't eat them often, so we're not getting them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to buy pear juice on a regular basis, I'd probably buy the organic. Uh, also, another thing you can do is is take the skin off because that's where most of the you know pesticides and herbicides are going to be, and they're going to concentrate. But yes, overall, the benefits far outweigh the risk. Um, when it comes to, you know, those pesticides and herbicides. And honestly, that is what research says, and it, and I, and it hasn't wavered. So, okay. So what about – so I'm just going to touch real briefly on soluble versus insoluble fiber. I kind of thought this was a good time to talk about that when we're talking about fruits and vegetables. So just uh, briefly, soluble fiber is that that attracts water and slows the digestion. Um, so that's going to be good for a kid or an adult who has, you know, issues with diarrhea. Um, not the most fun topic, but it has to be said. Uh, some of the better sources of soluble fiber include bran, beans, and berries. But generally, there's a little bit of soluble fiber in just about all fruits and vegetables, I would say. Same with insoluble fiber. So most fruits and vegetables have a little bit of, of both, but some just have more of one or the other. So insoluble fiber adds bulk to the stool and sort of quickens the stool passage. So if you're having a hard time um, emptying, it kind of helps push it down and get it through. Um, so that's going to be better for those who are prone to constipation. That being said, if you have if you have a child or you yourself have what are what both of our girls went through um, the last couple months with the like fecal impaction. I didn't even want to get into this, but I'm going to say it. Not a good idea to continue to add more insoluble fiber because that's just going to build. Um, basically, the fecal impaction is a plug, and if you add a bunch of fruit and vegetables to that, it's just going to you know build up in the, in the gut until that plug is emptied. So, not the best way to get that through. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's kind of why we had to use the. Um, uh, the suppository. <laughs> Sometimes there's no other way than just to do the uh-huh. suppository or even liquid. I mean, the prune juice, I think, um, was helpful because it was liquid. 
So it was mm-hmm. adding a little bit of fiber plus all that that liquid to kind of get it through. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into that because that's not the topic. So another thing that I wanted to say about the soluble fiber, um, going back to soluble fiber, is it's also – so there's actually – I think there's four different types of fiber. And the two most common are the soluble and insoluble. Um, but there's also another one that is – and now I, I'm not thinking uh, – I can't think of the something fiber. It's not soluble or insoluble. It's uh, resistant starch. Mm-hmm. Very similar to soluble fiber, but slightly different. And that's what's going to be fermented by bacteria in your colon um, and just going to be really good for overall gut health. And that's also soluble fiber. So I would say that the resistant starch and soluble fiber are very, very similar, but there's some slight differences, but they're both going to be fermented um, by bacteria in your gut and produce good short chain fatty acids that are good for the um, for your bacteria mm-hmm. in your gut. So o- overall, fruits and vegetables good for gut health, I would say. Were you going to say something? Uh, you know, I when I'm teaching about fiber too, I always I describe soluble fiber as almost the janitors. <laughs> um, yeah, because they really are able to pull like excess LDL and things like that either into fecal matter that you excrete. Or mm-hmm. put it in the liver that it's not causing that that heart risk, um, and so I, I, th- I kind of call it the janitors. And then insoluble fiber, I always think of, you know, poop. Of course, if something's mm-hmm. coming out, like if you think of corn or bean, like the little skins on beans, things that um, are not going to absorb water. So even um, you know, they sometimes come out the way they go in. Uh, also, like <laughs> you know, would... the skin of a cucumber that just that real waxy. If you think about you know, facilitating the bowel, um, you know, to prevent constipation and kind of, you know, promote motility through Mm -hmm. through the GI tract, you know, thinking of things with that, like that waxy exterior is, you know, kind of even like the stringy parts of celery, um, thinking about, you know, what really doesn't break down a whole lot in the body. Right. Yeah. And exactly. And there, that's a great way to describe it. Both very important um, and both found throughout fruits and vegetables. And I would mm-hmm. say fruits, vegetables, whole grains are, are going to be your best sources for those because mm-hmm. we as um, Americans are just not getting enough of, of either of those, um, especially our kids. So speaking of, what are the recommendations for fruits and vegetables? So for toddlers slash kids, I would say uh, the recommendation, and this is all from the United States um, Department of Agriculture it's myplate.gov, and I'm sure everyone's heard of that. We'll put some links in our show notes. Uh, but generally speaking, two cups to two and a half cups of each of each um, fruit and vegetable. So that's – is that right? Two cups to two and a half cups of each. That's what seems like a lot. So, yeah, roughly four cups a day. Is that right? Two cups to two and a half cups, one cup each. Yeah, I wrote this, like I wrote this in the show note. I, I, I Actually, no. I think it's I no here I, I'm saying that wrong. It's actually two cups per day to two and a half cups per day. So one cup of each, one cup of fruit and one cup of vegetable mm-hmm. to two and a half cups total, or one and a half cup and one cup. And I'm totally botching this. So let me say that one more time. So the recommendations for toddlers and kids is going to be roughly two cups per day to two and a half cups per day. So that's the range. Uh, and I'm giving a range because it really. Even from the the youngest toddler, age around two to three, to the oldest, you know, child up to about I would say even eighteen, the recommendation is anywhere from two to two and a half cups. Um, so one cup, I believe, of fruit, and then one to one and a half cups of vegetable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I wrote in the show notes didn't make any sense, but I know it's that's that is correct. So two to two and a half cups total. And to put that into perspective, um, that's about so what makes one cup? I usually when I was meeting with clients when I used to be an in-store dietitian, I usually just say put your hand in a fist. And again, you know, I know there's all different shapes and sizes of people, but generally speaking, a cup is going to be about the size of your fist or about the size of a tennis ball. Um, that's probably a better way to describe it since everyone is is different in size. Uh, that's going to be about one cup. So uh, you can go again to the myplate.gov website to see, you know, what one cup of all of these fruits and vegetables um what it looks like, but if you don't want to do that every single day or you want to teach your kids an easier way to think about it, saying your fist or a tennis ball would probably be a little bit easier. Um, but as far as leafy greens, two cups of leafy greens equals one cup serving. So you can you couldn't just eat like a, a cup of romaine lettuce and say, oh, there's my cup of vegetable. It would need to be two cups of ro- romaine lettuce or, you know, spinach kale in order to equal that one cup serving. Uh, and then as far as fruit is concerned, what about dried fruit? This, you know, basically a whole fruit that's been dehydrated and not none of the liquid is there, so it's much smaller. So in that case, you'd have to eat one half cup of dried fruit to equal one cup. Uh, as far as fruit or vegetables, or I'm sorry, fruit or vegetable juices, eight ounces is going to um, equate to about one cup of fruit or vegetable. So eight ounces of V8, or eight ounces of orange juice is going to equal that one cup serving. Uh, so, okay. So for toddlers and kids, the recommendation is roughly two cups to two and a half cups per day. But for adults, it about doubles. So it's going to be roughly five cups per day. So that kind of goes back. I know when we were growing up, we used to say the recommendation was in more like half cup servings. So I, I just remember always hearing um, five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables. and that's kind of the same thing as saying five cups. And I'm not sure why they decided to switch it to cups versus servings, which was roughly a half cup. But I know that happened about when they came out with the my plate, um, the the pyramid, the my pyramid. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Very and that's well. when yeah, that's when and I loved that. I loved the my pyramid. Uh and that's when I believe they switched to starting to recommend make the recommendations in cups versus servings. I feel like it's a little bit less ambiguous, and that's probably why they did that. Uh, I actually prefer it. Do you prefer explaining it to clients that way in cups versus servings? Or do you even? Yeah, you know, the U.S. and their lack of, uh, yeah, units that make any, yeah, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> it's, mm, yes. I, I think that was the goal, though, yeah, was to just standardize it to a cup being the measure. And I mean, that's great and all, but like you said, it depends on the fruit or the vegetable, right? you know, if that actually makes sense. So like a cup of dried fruit is obviously going to be a substantial amount of calories, fiber, car. I mean, it's it's definitely right. more, you know, how many dried apricots would you get out of a cup of dry, dried apricots? Did I say that right? Like how many apricots would it take to make a cup of dried apricots? And it's quite a few. I mean, yeah. Exactly. I don't know what their ultimate goal was. It's just hard because, I mean, foods are not all made equal. So I I think no matter how you slice it, it's going to create some confusion and ambiguity. And I I think, I I don't know. I I actually do prefer, never do I actually count my, and I I never even recommend to people when I meet with them for one-on-one, you know, consultations. I don't ever say, 
you need to count your fruits and vegetables and make sure you're getting five cups. And never did I even say that before when it was in half cup servings, like make sure you're getting five to nine servings. I just always say, be mindful of your fruit and vegetable. Try to get, you know, half your plate fruit and vegetables whenever you're putting together a dinner or a lunch. Um, and then generally, if you're always thinking about fruits and vegetables and how to get them and adding them more to your diet, you're going to get enough. I don't think it's necessary to sit and count how many cups you're getting. Same with your kids. I can't remember the last time I actually sat down and thought, okay, how many cups of fruits and vegetables is Paige getting today? Like never do I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think of it as a whole. You know, do I try to offer her as many as possible? Yes, I do. Um, does she not? Does she always eat them? No, she doesn't. And I'm not going to fret about that. I just try to give her and 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 you know show her or expose her to as many fruits and vegetables as possible. So so they're just recommendations. Sometimes um, with clients that I have been seeing long-term who maybe are having stalled progress or have just failed, maybe they're so focused on calories that mm-hmm. they're not concerned at all as to the source of those calories. And so one of the things I've done is um, with you know any type of tracking or food journaling is to spin it the direction I want it to go. And sometimes it, it actually does work. So if one, for example, is that if somebody is just not eating fruits and vegetables or they're only eating a certain, and we haven't even gotten into this, but like a certain, you know, like, oh, I'm only eating apples or whatever it is, or I'm only mm-hmm. eating oranges to try and get the variety in there for reasons we'll talk about is to do some type of a tracker. Um, and I think this is perfectly appropriate for children too. But once you start, mm-hmm. you know, you said, I, you know, I, you haven't like asked people to count things, but sometimes if they're just eating junk, I'll ask them to do some type of a tracker for fruits and vegetables and they'll suddenly realize that they're not, they have nothing to put on their tracker. It's like, hmm. And it just becomes, you know, their, their point of reference as to what are they actually doing? Conversely, you know, when I'm talking to people who maybe it's nothing that they need to change with what they're eating, it's only with what they're drinking. I'll say, I just want Mm -hmm. you to journal what you're drinking for the day. Yeah. I want your water. I want your juice, soda, iced coffees, whatever it is, you know, journal all of that stuff on there. And they're like, you know, suddenly realizing they're handing me pages of of what it is that they're drinking. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Like good when you're really starting to a new habit, you're starting to mm-hmm. make a change. But generally speaking, like once you it's just like my fitness pal. There was a time when I was using that just to kind of keep myself on track, but I would use it for maybe a, a week or two. And then after that, I felt good. I was good Mm -hmm. to go. And then maybe I'd come back to it after like three months to kind of get myself back on track again. But in general, do I think it's important to count your your fruits and vegetables? No, but it really all depends on the person, um, definitely, and what what their goals are and where they're at as far as their health. So, okay, so what about can you get too many? Uh, Like I kind of said before, it's really hard to get too many because let's be honest, most of us aren't getting enough anyway. Uh, so I, I just don't think that there has been many situations where someone's actually eaten too many fruits and vegetables. I do remember, and kind of going back to what you just said, it's good to add variety. Do I think that there is an issue with eating the same fruits and vegetables every day? I think that that's fine as long as within those same fruits and vegetables, there's actually a variety. If you're eating apples every day as your only fruit, maybe you should think about making a, a change there. If you're, if you're only eating apples and spinach every single day, for your five cups of fruits and vegetables, is there is that a problem? I mean, I mean, some might argue that is a problem. You need to get all the different colors. If you even look on the recommendations from the USDA, you know, dietary guidelines, you need to get some beans in there, some yellow fruits and vegetables, some you know, purple fruits and vegetables, a variety of green fruits and vegetables. So it's certainly better than nothing, but it'd probably be a good idea to try to venture out a little bit more. 
Um, I remember there was a time when I was eating, and this was probably back, I would say, when I was in that, you know, disordered eating phase. I was eating pumpkin uh, just all day long. Pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. I don't know what it was about pumpkin, but I just loved it. I mean, I still do, but it's all I was eating. I was, you know, I was eating pumpkin and probably spinach, and that was a, the vast majority of my calories. And I turned orange, and I am not even kidding. I mean, I, and I've heard people say this before. Seriously? Oh, yeah. The palms of my hands were orange. My face was orange. I mean, I looked like an Oompa <laughs> Not even kidding. I wonder if you so, have like vitamin A toxicity. So is that even possible? Because that but it's not a fat soluble. Well, it is. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that the, the the only way you could become vitamin A or you could have that was with the fat soluble form from animals. Because this is the beta carotene from fruits and vegetables, right? The only vitamin A is beta carotene, which you really can't go over. Am I wrong? Mm. Wow. You can get too much vitamin A from animals, like the retinol. Now we're just getting way too scientific here. But Okay, I'm going to have to do some research as to why you turn okay. orange. I'm fascinated. Well, I've heard this before. Like you can get too many, too much beta carotene and and it actually has been documented that people have turned orange, but that it actually isn't harmful other than the fact that you look like an Oompa Loompa. Um, but other than that, it's, it's not harmful. Yeah. But do some research and let me know. So other issues, you know, going back to the low FODMAP diet, obviously if you've got IBS and you're on a low FODMAP diet, or even if you're not and you're considering it, you might want to look at your fruits and vegetables that you're consuming because a lot of them do have excess FODMAP. So that might be something to consider if you've got that issue with the on and off constipation that in that case, if you, if you, if you do have IBS, that might be a situation where actually fruits and vegetables might be might do more harm than good, but again, only certain ones. So I've pretty much narrowed down my fruit and vegetables um, to which ones I can and cannot have, which ones that are going to help me with my constipation and, and you know diarrhea if I ever had that, or which ones are going to make it better. Um, and, and I know which ones are good for me, and I've kind of started being more aware of that for my daughter as well as she has some issues. So I'm starting to think maybe I can look at the FODMAPs in these foods. So obviously, again, with low FODMAP diets, you definitely want to look at the list of safe fruits and vegetables because they might cause you more harm than good if you're eating the wrong ones, in the wrong amounts, I should say. Don't be afraid of fruits and vegetables. Um, it's really all about the the serving um, when it comes to FODMAPs. Uh, and then I also have on here that this might be a stretch, but Kind of actually going back to when I was in my, you know, had my eating disorder and disordered eating, I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables because they were base, virtually fat-free. And I would say that I filled myself up on fruits and vegetables to the point where I wasn't then getting enough protein in my diet or fat. Um, that's obviously an extreme case, but that's another example of where someone might be consuming more fruits and vegetables than is good for them because they're filling themselves up on that fiber and they're not actually, they don't have an appetite um, for any other foods uh, that are going to give them the nutrients that are lacking in fruits and vegetables, which is fat and protein. Um, obviously, you know, things like avocado, which is considered a fruit, has a great source of fat, but I certainly wasn't eating avocado. Uh, so there's obviously a way around that, but generally speaking, you also need to have other foods. That's why we've got the food groups and it's important to get those other food groups in your diet. Uh, but but really, eating too many fruits and vegetables is is, is pretty difficult to do. Um, so really, I think the main focus here is adding more to our plates. 
Okay, so last, before we get into our discussion, what are the statistics on kids and fruit and vegetables? I am telling you, I tried to look this up and was really disappointed what I found because there really weren't many updated statistics out there. The only thing I saw was from the CDC, and it said that roughly 9 out of 10 children didn't get enough vegetables in 2007 to 2010. Which I thought, I mean, I was like, where? This is this was, you know, nine years ago. I'm dying to know what the statistics are now. Sadly, my guess is that they haven't changed much. Um, and I'm going to also tell you a little bit about adults. So adults, uh, this was also from the CDC, only 12% are getting enough fruit and 9% are getting enough vegetables. So it's really not shocking that only 9 out of 10 children get enough I'm sorry, um, nine out of 10 children don't get enough vegetables because they're leading by our example, um, or we're trying to um, lead them, excuse me, by our example, and we're not doing a great job because we aren't getting enough of fruits and vegetables. So the kids are watching what we eat. They're doing as we do. We're not getting enough fruits and vegetables. Therefore, it's not a shock shocker that they're not getting enough um, either. I don't know. Have you seen any more statistics on kids and fruits and vegetables? Because that was the only thing I could find. And I searched. I did some serious Googling, and that was the the latest, most updated um, thing I could find online. Yeah. No, it sounds accurate, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's I hard because, I mean, children are are pretty unreliable resources, too. So it's I think a lot of it is difficult. I know for me to try and get data on how much my kids eat. I mean, they're at daycare all day. It's difficult to know, I think, on our kids because especially with parents away from home, you don't exactly know what they're eating. (laughs) Right. Well, we we know what they give them for snack and neither of us like it, right? Exactly. Or they're feeding the dog or sharing with a friend or, yeah, it's, they're just not reliable sources. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And, you know, looking at this at this recommendation um, of servings for, for kids and toddlers of two to two and a half cups a day, just thinking about that, I know that my kids are not getting that. I, I can guarantee that. Um, now, do I feel ashamed or do I feel like a, a terrible parent or that they're unhealthy because of it? Absolutely not. I do whatever I can to get them to eat fruits and vegetables. Um, basically, other than, you know, nagging and whining about it to them and pushing them to eat it, which I will never do. Um, so I'm happy with what they eat and they'll get to they'll get to that point at some, at some point. I know they like fruits and vegetables and that's really all that matters to me. So, okay, so let's go to the discussion point. So speaking of our kids, did you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables when you were young? You know, this question, you know, I wish I would have thought to ask my mom what she thought um, because I have a very poor memory. But I would say average Mm -hmm. Um, prior to, you know, kind of when my disordered eating began, I would say it was pretty darn low, Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe like one serving a day. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. once I started losing weight, that went up drastically. But I would say I was the variety was still not there. And it was, you know, like you, it was weight driven um, decision making. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but I would say average at best, if you were kind of putting together all of my years before the age of 18. Do you remember your mom or dad making an effort to put fruits and vegetables on your plate when you were our kids' kids age? That's such a good question. Um, I know when we talked about the different food styles, you said that your parents were 
um, not neglectful, but the uh, permissive, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They leaned more towards permissive at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that in mind, do, do you, I, I was, I, that's what I was thinking of when I asked this question. I was thinking about what your answer would be because I know talking about my, my mom's feeding style, it was kind of the opposite. And she was always mm -hmm. giving me fruits and vegetables. <laughs> But not that she yeah. also would nag me about eating them, which wasn't a great thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that my mom bought what we liked because that was easy. Um, mm -hmm. And when it doesn't include things that are healthy, it's also cheaper, right? So, mm -hmm. I think it just, you know, I grew up in a family with two working parents who were very busy. And mm -hmm. mealtimes were often not all together. My dad was um, in car sales when I was, you know, in my younger um, childhood. And I mean, he wasn't home. You know, people right. who work in that industry often are working till eight, nine o'clock at night. So it, yeah, I, I think it was more of a a prep and serve kind of thing. You know, if we had tacos, would I put lettuce on it? Yeah, but certainly mm -hmm. not the diced onion and diced tomato that my mom also put out. I mean, it was, I would, so I would say it was offered, but it wasn't, it wasn't talked about or yeah. Strongly encouraged to try. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where I would say I'm very thankful that my mom, she was huge. I mean, she's a nurse, so she did have a, you know, a, obviously a, a background in the importance of, you know, eating healthy. Um, her mom was also a nurse. So I think she grew up in a family where they were also fed a lot of fruits and vegetables. They also lived on a farm, so that helped. Um so my mom was always offering fruits and vegetables of all types and varieties and preparing them in all different unique ways, which I am very thankful for. I do feel like, and I don't know this for a fact, but just from a memory, I will just say, I feel like they were pushed upon me a little bit more than I would have liked. So I, not that I ever have a bad memory of my mom pushing fruits and vegetables on me, but I, I just feel like she she did always want me to finish my fruit and vegetable. She talked about it often, um, which, you know, didn't have a negative effect on me, obviously. I mean, I, I absolutely love fruits and vegetables. And I also think a lot of it is genetic. I read that book that I was telling you about by Barbara Sweeney, I believe is who it was, or Barb Sweeney. And it was called Taste What, you, um, what You're Missing. And it talked about how different people have different taste buds and some people taste bitter and sour a lot more than others. Mm -hmm. And some people are super tasters. I feel like I have really great sense of taste, but I do not taste the bitter and sour as much as others. So when I could eat like a raw Brussels sprout and it would be fine, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'd probably want to dip it in ranch. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like I don't have that, um, that bitter sour gene as some people do. So I can pretty much eat any fruit and vegetable. So I think a part of it was uh, nurture, but I think a lot, some part of it was also nature for me, the fact that I love fruits and vegetables. But I grew up eating just about all different. I mean, when I went to college, I'd eaten just about every single fruit and vegetable that there was. I, I say that because I work at a college now, and sometimes I'm shocked by the things that I, my, the students will say they have never tried, like zucchini or even Brussels sprouts or beets. And I'm just very thankful that my mom and dad, I mean, I had tried all of those by the time I graduated high school. And uh, I would say that I pretty much loved them all too because they prepared them in a way that was actually tasty. So I was, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, let's see. 
yeah, so that's really what, all I have to say about that. I, I was I was very, I'm very happy about, about that with my, I think my mom could have done a better job of not pushing them as much, but I also think she didn't have to push them that much because I, I loved them. So that goes on to our, our next question. So what were the fruits and vegetables you didn't like when you were, but excuse me, that you didn't like when you were young, but you love now, or even that you didn't like when you were young, but you still hate? <laughs> yeah, because my answer was none. I mean, I... Yeah. I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> I love everything. Um, I mean, certainly I have favorites, but um, I did say unless eggplant is fried, I don't super love it. Um, mm -hmm. Like in a ratatouille or something like that, I'd probably pick around it. But some some fried eggplant, heck yeah, bring, sign me up. But yeah, there's really yeah. nothing I won't eat. Okay. Even as a kid, you liked all fruits and vegetables, the ones that were served to you at least? Yeah, I mean, so like going back to the taco example, I probably wouldn't have put raw onion and raw tomato on my taco, but I would have eaten it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, I think that it you know, it's interesting cuz I I that's just who I am. Like I'm pretty easy in that way. I'm not gonna like I would I'm not the type to send back something at a restaurant cuz it wasn't made the way that I asked or you know just little things like that. Like but that's just who I am. Like I don't think it's wrong to do that. Um but I will say I get short fused with my kids when they're like I don't want to try that. I'm like what's the worst that's going to happen? You don't like it. You know, I just like I like immediately jump into like attack mode. Um yes. where for other people that is um that is serious. I was teaching group diabetes education classes last week and the number of people in that class who, I, I mean, the fruit and vegetable consumption was so low. I yeah. mean, an adult woman who, you know, is in her 40s saying, I will not touch anything green. And I said, have you ever tried like avocado? Nope, won't try it. I mm -hmm. mean, to me, that just blows my mind. I know. I agree with you. I like, agree. What is the worst that's going to happen? I think a lot of times it has to do with prep. They're just overwhelmed and anxious about just the idea of, of purchasing produce. It, it, you have to do more prep with it. Uh, period. Uh, I think that's where I used to always talk about the importance of, hey, you can you can try canned fruits and vegetables. You can try frozen. Uh, those are super easy and really just as healthy, if not sometimes more. So, but yeah, I've I've encountered a lot of people who've never had you know whatever it is a fruit or a vegetable that I would consider common, and I'm just floored. And I kind of have to hold back my face because you know I make those faces of that people are always like, Gina, what is wrong with you? And I'm just like, oh, it just, it's just my face. I don't know. I don't even realize I'm doing it. So I probably make these faces like, what the heck? And I need to be careful because <laughs> it's probably, it's probably not very nice. So what are some, so, okay. So you would say really eggplant's the one that comes out uh, yeah. top of mind for you, unless it's fried, which I had fried eggplant last night. Oh yeah. For me, yeah, it was so good. Um, for me, I would say I can specifically remember not liking tomato sauce, especially chunky tomato sauce. I also did not like like tomatoes on pizza, which I know sounds – I didn't like – okay, I remember this very, very well and vividly. When I was at school and I would get pizza and I could see the little tomato skins, you know, rolled up in that – you know what I'm talking about? Like a little mm -hmm. tomato skin. I would get so weirded out and grossed out by that. Like sometimes I wouldn't even be able to eat pizza. So I was weird about that kind of stuff. So tomatoes in general, I would say, I didn't love, uh, especially when they were in things like sauces. I also didn't like chunky sauces of any type. I didn't like chunks. I also didn't like avocado. I remember I tried guacamole for the first time, and I was just so repulsed by it. And I'm very thankful 
that I later in my life decided to try it again because obviously it's one of my favorite foods now. And here's something that's really ironic. I used to love onion, love it. In fact, I can vividly remember this as well, taking a Vidalia onion and taking a bite out of it like an apple. That's how much I loved them. Mm-hmm. And now how ironic that I can't even, like I avoid onions like like the plague because they have the FODMAPs. Like mm-hmm. one of the, they're one of the worst things for me. So I, I look back and I'm like, no wonder I felt like I was, you know, bloated and gassy my entire life because I devoured onions. I mean, I asked for them in salads and on burgers, everything to the point where I would eat it like an apple. So, mm-hmm. so that's one thing I would say I loved as a child, but I don't eat now, but not because I don't like them. It's more because I, I can't eat them. So do you think it's fair to say, and I have an exa- I have a story um, mm-hmm. to accommodate this, but, um, or to compliment or accompany, there you go. Accommodate. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I need my siesta at 256 today. Um, do you think though it's fair to say that you can acquire tastes for fruits and any food, but fruits and vegetables, you know, as as your life goes on? I don't know. I well, what do they say? They say, and I was gonna say this in, in the next little discussion point, that kids need to be exposed or people in general need to be exposed, or sometimes it takes exposure to a food about 20 times. It takes mm-hmm. that, you know, exposure about 20 times before they'll actually like it. So with that being said, yeah, I do think that there are some things that are an acquired taste. If it can take up to 20 times to be exposed to a food for someone to like something and that's in, you know, that's in the research. That's what research will actually say. Then to me that means yes, that foods they're they're an acquired taste. They can be an acquired taste, yeah. Do you so agree like, with it? Uh, yes. So my father-in-law and w- I mean, my husband and I have been together for 15 years. So we've gone out to eat plenty of times with his family and often we'll go out for Mexican food. And for literally 10 years, my father-in-law would send back his dinner um, at a Mexican Mm -hmm. restaurant if it had guacamole even on the plate. He was Mm -hmm. like, nope, send it back. Like, and I never understood. I was like, I can scrape it. Like, I'll eat it. Like, you know, and he's like, nope, send it back. And then- Five years ago about, he decided loves it. Loves yeah. it. Yeah. Now he's like extra guacamole. I'm like, you are. Well, I'm really old? curious like, to, <laughs> to know when he actually ended up trying it because here's what I think. Sometimes- so he told me he had tried it. I asked okay. him. Okay. Okay. We have a good relationship. I can be honest with him. I'm like, Dale, have you tried it? He's like, yes, I don't like it. Okay. Like, really? I, like, have you tried it recently? Yeah. Don't like it. And then, I don't know what happened, but my, so yeah, my sister and I had to have tried it. it. Yeah. But again, like the fact that he tried it again after he was so, you know, adamant about not eating it. I'm really curious to see how, to know how that happened. Okay. Next time I talk to him, I'm going to ask yeah. him how his love yeah. for guacamole actually started. So. <laughs> well, here's a funny, a funny story. Going back to when you say to your kids, why don't you just give it a try? I try, I ask, I'll ask my kids twice to try something. If they say no after twice, I'm just going to let it go because I do not want to, you know, badger them about eating fruits and vegetables to a point where they're not going to, you know, even want to eat them ever. So today I made kale chips and I pretty much burned them. I didn't really do that on purpose, although I kind of like them a little bit burnt. But I took them out of the oven and I was like, hey, and I didn't even make a big deal about it at all. I was like, hey, look, there's chips. And Paige was like, chips? Those aren't chips. And I said, yeah, they're kale chips. And she took one, put it in her mouth, spit it out. And then strangely enough, took like three more and just shoved them, like shoveled them in her mouth. And I was like, wow, okay. But then she promptly spit those out too, which I 
But you know what? I was I was really proud of her for trying, not just once, but twice. I'm not sure what made her try them again after she spit them out the first time, but I was very proud of her for trying that again. She's very adventurous, and I, and I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, so let's move on. So tips for getting kids um, to eat and enjoy fruits and vegetables. I've got a lot, but I'm going to go through them very quickly. I think gardening is a good one. We just planted our garden uh, recently. We've got cantaloupe and red pepper. Uh, we've got tomatoes and I feel like a few other things that I can't remember. Butternut squash. Oh, it's yeah. going to so, take over again? Oh, gosh, no. I No, I, I pretty much, no. We've learned from that one time, but it might. Who knows? We'll see. It's right next to our house, too, so... Yeah, we'll see. So I also created a food and fruit and vegetable chart. There's just basically a list of weeks. And I have Paige go through a bunch of pictures on a website that I that I pulled up. And I have her point out a fruit and vegetable that I want her to try. So it can either be – so this is each week. So it can either be a fruit or vegetable that she's never had or one that she's had. But we're going to buy it and then do something new with it. So, for example, she has cherries on her um, list for next weekend when I go to the store. And obviously, she's had cherries before, but we're going to figure out a new fun way to use those cherries in some type of recipe. Okay, so that I'll continue. Oh, by the way, I did put a link in our show notes for how to find in-season, a list of in-season produce in your area. So it has the whole United States on there. You click where you're from or where you live, and then all the different in-season produce will pop up. Okay, utilize fruits and vegetables in your recipes wherever possible. So I know like whenever I make pasta, I'm always throwing in handfuls of spinach. Same with pizza. Spinach is an easy one. Uh, Even when I have dessert for the kids, like yesterday, I gave them each a little dish of sorbet, and I added some frozen blueberries on top. Uh, Another one, this is easy, simply having them around. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, having them in your kitchen, having them out on the, instead of a bowl of candy, having a bowl of, you know, clementines or peaches or bananas. Uh, of course, it's typically fruits because those are the easier ones to have out um, of the refrigerator. Uh, tomatoes in the, you know, in the summer are a good one. And that kind of goes to my other one, which is lead by example. I oftentimes talk to parents, and when they tell me that their kids don't eat fruits and vegetables, the first thing I ask is, do you eat fruits and vegetables? And, you know, oftentimes what the response is, is no, we, I don't like them. And unfortunately, that tends to be like a domino effect, where if your parents don't like fruits and vegetables, then the kids typically don't eat fruits and vegetables for a couple of reasons. One is that your kids are watching what you eat and they're going to want what you eat. So if you're not eating fruits and vegetables and they're not going to eat them. And two, if you as an adult or a parent don't like fruits and vegetables, that probably means you're not bringing them into your house or incorporating them into your recipes. So they don't have the chance to get those fruits and vegetables. Um, so like I said, you know, it it will take maybe up to 20 times being exposed to a fruit or vegetable before your kid might actually accept it and eat it. Uh, so continuously giving it to them and offering it to them. And I think it's really important. This is the last thing I'm going to say on this before I'll let you uh, take over here. I think it's really important for parents to understand that that 15 to 20 times being exposed to fruits and vegetables does not mean 15 to 20 times trying the fruit and vegetable. I think I remember when I first started college and I learned, and I learned that stat, I was thinking to myself, Okay, so the kid has to try a fruit or vegetable 15 to 20 times before they like it. No, no, no. This is this the the stat is or the the research shows that they simply have to be exposed to that fruit or vegetable. 
you know, put it on their plate and offer it to them. They don't have to try it. I do this all the time with my kids. I will put, you know, together like a little, you know, slider burger on their plate. And then I'll put, you know, a slice of avocado or, you know, some sauteed zucchini on their plate. They might not eat it, but that was one exposure. They saw it. They smelled it. Maybe they took a little lick or a little bite. Maybe they didn't. That's an exposure. It doesn't mean they actually have to try it 15 to 20 times in order to like it. It's an exposure. I think that's a really big key point here. So I'm always throwing random fruits and vegetables on my kids' plates and offering it to them. If they don't, if they choose not to eat it, that is absolutely fine, but I will offer it again. Um, and that's, that tends to work. I think I told you in one of our previous episodes that there was one day, Cameron never ate avocado. I, every day I would put a slice of avocado on his plate. And then one day he picked up and he had like four pieces. In fact, I had to kind of take it away from him because I thought he was going to get sick. Uh, so persistence is the key, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like just piggybacking off your having them available. One of the tips that I personally use and will often recommend to other people, kids, adults, doesn't matter, is, you know, especially when things get busy around the house, when you're hungry, uh, even if you're preparing meals, you tend to make bad choices. So what else, what I'll tell people is to, even if you buy one of those prepared veggie trays is to have it available so that when you're prepping dinner or you just walk in the door or you, you know, you can't get anything in you fast enough throw that out, you know, even with the yeah. ranch or whatever type of dip. And if you're hungry, your kids are hungry, they they are likely to eat that. I mean, if you're genuinely hungry and that's what's available, it's 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 there. Um I think I just will sometimes do that especially in like the winter time if I'm seeing that our fruit and vegetable intake is a little bit lower, I'll incorporate that as just kind of a something special for the week, just something new like, hey, while mom's making dinner, here, munch on this. Um, And they tend to like that. Uh, I think you had it on your list, but also just including kids in the prep process, Um, Mm -hmm. even getting, you know, help if they can cut something with a butter knife or, you know, including them in the prep process in a safe way is immensely helpful to them being open to trying new things. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it like a rainbow chart with stickers and, and just encouraging variety kids like stuff that's fun. If you can turn fruits and vegetable consumption into like a kebab or skewer or yeah, some type of colorful pizza, you know, if you do a make your own pizza, put out several different, um, maybe it's those little mini bell pepper rings or something uh, that they can add to it. I think smoothies, you could definitely add vegetables in there. It's a great way to get in fruit. Um, I think often we don't get creative enough with fruits and vegetables. Don't be bashful about using different spices or fats, like including butter is okay, you know, in a, in a right. healthy way, including oils. I mean, you know, if that's completely undoing the consumption of vegetable, you know, you don't want to drown the, the food in, you know, something like butter, but that's a perfectly acceptable thing to include or serving it with ranch dressing or, you know, wh- whatever kind of tricks yeah. and tricks, tips and tricks to get fruits and vegetables in is helpful. Um, use yeah. of condiments. So, I mean, even things like roasted potatoes. My kids want a little bit of ketchup to dip, dip them in. Great. Go oh, for, for it. Oh, for sure. Yep. Um, lots of variety. You can even, you know, grocery stores often have so many different fruits and vegetables there. Encourage your child to go grocery shopping with you and find something that they've never tried before and talk about what does it look like? When is it going to be ripe? What do you think it's going to taste like? Um, and I think even using really positive language about fruit because um, – all kids are obsessed with candy, right? I'll 
I'll say to Shay, how does that mango taste? Does it taste sweet as candy? And she's like, mmm, tastes like candy, you know? And then suddenly her little sister hears her say that. And so just, you know, describing fruits in a way that is extremely appealing to uh-huh. especially children, I think is is huge. You know, for us, we talked about fruit picking. I mean, including kids in that. I mean, they'll sit out in the field and just pound blueberries, pound strawberries. I mean, to them, it's like fun. Who cares if they're yep. dirty or have, you know, a bug in them? I mean, whatever, they're going to eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will often send Shay out. We have a couple of different herbs growing in our yard. I'll, I'll be like, can you pick the one that has like the velvety leaves if it's sage or the one that has really small leaves and it's thyme? But just helping her, you know, see that you can add flavor to to different recipes, especially ones that include fruits and vegetables, using their senses to describe taste, textures, things like that. But making it a conversation, I think, um, having them realize that they um, they have really lovely features about them. I mean, fruits and vegetables smell really, really good, and especially this time of year. It's the perfect time to talk about it. Yeah, I would agree. I I had Paige cut or I was emptying the groceries today and I needed to give her something to do. And I had a whole thing of strawberries. And I said, okay, I want you to wash the strawberries, cut them, and put them in this um, pitcher of water mm-hmm. for our infused water. And she was just so excited. Mm-hmm. So, she, And she even, oh my gosh, she was so cute. She even, so she cut them. I gave her a butter knife. It was fine. And put them in the water and then went even went outside and grabbed some basil because she's seen me do this before and broke up the basil and put it in the water too. Aww. And she was just so cute. Yeah, it was, it was very, um, it was, it was a good moment for me. So, oh, and also I want to say, I I think a lot of times when I talk to people about their past history with fruits and vegetables, sometimes I'll, you know, they'll say, well, I really hate, I'm just going to use Brussels sprouts, for example, because it's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I'll say, well, how have you had them prepared? And they'll say, well, my mom always boils them or steams them. And I'm like, oh, like that's the perfect example of something that really tastes best roasted uh, or sauteed with some oil and a little bit of salt or garlic or onion or whatever it is. You can't, most fruits and vegetables do not taste good simply boiled or steamed. Um, so even when I get frozen Brussels sprouts in the, you know, freezer section, I will never just boil them or steam them. I'll put them out on a tray and spray them with some oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, and I'll roast them. And that's just the best way to eat them. Um, and, and a lot of fruits and vegetables are that way. They taste better, either sauteed or roasted, but basically like what you said, with some type of a fat and or a spice um, added to it, not simply, you know, boiled, which I think is what a lot of people had growing up because it's easier to do it that way. Uh, Or maybe some people just don't know how to prepare fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. So we put some recipes uh, on our show notes uh, that will hopefully encourage you if you're a little bit intimidated by fresh fruits and vegetables, or even frozen ones. Uh, but we're going to dive into fra- favorite fruit and vegetable recipes. So some of the ones, and all the ones that we're going to mention here, again, are on the show notes. So spiral zucchini is a big one in our household, especially in the summer, with zucchini being in season and local. Uh, I did put a spiralizer on our show notes. Uh, that's a pretty decent price, and also one that you can add to your uh, food, pro- not food processor, your KitchenAid, mm-hmm. uh, which is really fun to use. So my kids like that. I also make a really good butternut uh, lasagna, which is one of Nick's favorite recipes that I make. It's a butternut squash lasagna. So instead of noodles, it's just sliced butternut squash. Mm. Uh, just as, yeah, it's delicious. Uh, so on one of our previous podcasts, I told you that Paige had never had a salad. So I think right after that, I made her an Italian salad. And now she loves salad. 
So it took her a while. I think when we actually talked about it last time, she had actually tried a salad but, but didn't love it. I think the texture just kind of um, turned her off a little bit. But we got one just probably about a week after that one podcast, and she tried it again, and she really liked it. Since then, she's I've offered it to her a couple more times, and she has not wanted one, which is totally fine. But all, all in all, I would say she seems to be liking salads these days. In fact, she asks for them um, at the store. Uh, grilled eggplant is big in our household as well. Nick makes a like a eggplant parmesan that both of our kids will like. I also put a recipe on there for a broccoli crust. So the big thing now is the cauliflower crust, the low-carb cauliflower crust, uh, which I think I would love. But since cauliflower is so high in FODMAPs, I decided once to do broccoli instead of cauliflower. And it's pretty ugly because, you know, cauliflower is white like crust is. Broccoli, not so much. But it tastes pretty good. So I put that in our show notes. And then also a big one is loaded loaded baked potatoes or loaded sweet potatoes. Those have been a, a favorite in our household as well. Those sound really good. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. We uh, we did a chili. Any type of chili. I, I just picture chili as being a great way you can add to, I mean, anything. But tomatoes for sure onion peppers beans i mean you name it it's mm-hmm. just the, so versatile um zucchini yeah pretty much anything spaghetti sauces like i grew, just raised myself in college on you know jarred <laughs> spaghetti sauce and i'd throw in bell pepper onion zucchini mushrooms whatever just saute it until they're tender skillet meals i'm a huge fan you know, for those without needing, not needing to avoid FODMAPs, uh, I think onion is a great way to sneak in uh, vegetables, garlic, um, those those all count. But any type of a skillet meal where it's kind of an all-in-one, where the vegetable is or is kind of incorporated into the meal and it's not as easy to avoid, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Homemade popsicles, you can make those with avocado, fruits, vegetables, whatever. Um, especially if you make like a chocolate variety, you can't even see that it's a weird color. Um, we've made muffins where we sneak it. I mean, definitely made with banana is one of the main wet ingredients. So, and they're sweet. So rather than using like honey or agave, a banana is a great natural sweetener and you can sneak in spinach, dried fruit, anything. Mm -hmm. Spaghetti squash, my kids really like, they think it's a really fun texture and it's a very mild flavor. So they, they think that's just really fun and they will eat soups and stuff. So that's a great way to sneak them in there too. Yeah. My kids are are not big on soups. I will continue offering it, but also Nick doesn't love soup. So I rarely Mm. make it. I do love a good soup. Uh, Also spaghetti squash. I've tried it with my kids. They don't love it, but that does not mean I will stop because I love spaghetti squash. So Mm -hmm. I'll keep offering it to them. Hopefully they'll one day decide that they like it. We'll see. Okay, so mom wins and favorite new products. Real quick, you know, we always we always say that these podcasts are going to be 30 to 40 minutes long, and then here we are at an hour, but it's totally fine. Okay, so uh, Aldi vegan meatballs. I know that is so random, but they are so good. And no, I'm not vegan, but every once in a while, I think I mentioned on this podcast before that my cholesterol levels came back kind of high this last time. So I've been trying to... Uh, at least somewhat monitor my intake of especially red meat. Uh, So whenever I can do like a turkey or poultry or veggie-based meatball, I do. So I bought these and I love them and Cameron devours them. So Mm. that's nice. Yep. I also am really into the clean eating chocolate chip almond butter cookies with, and I add oats to them. I actually posted it on our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. So 
Uh, if you're looking for that, check out our Facebook page. It's a delicious recipe, which again, I added uh, just about a half a cup of oatmeal, just old-fashioned oats too. And my kids absolutely love those cookies, as, as do I. So I need to make those. That sounds so good. So good. Yeah. Last Monday, uh, I remember because it was one of the last week of T-Ball, um, I threw in the crock pot a summer chili. And if you follow my blog at all, you know that I think chili is the most perfect food in the whole wide world. Mm -hmm. um, and I do my chili cook-off every year. I think this is going to be year eight coming up, which is oh, just wow. crazy. Eight or Maybe nine. Maybe I'll have to do it. I'm going to have to do it one year. Girl, it's a $200 cash prize at the end. So, um, and I think I've done it for so many years. I have less people entering. And so uh -huh. word to okay. the wise out there, if you want $200, right. you should enter. So yeah, I'll usually take like anywhere between like six and eight submissions. But yeah, I love chili. I think it's the perfect food. It just, it has everything all in one and such good flavors. And um, so this chili had tomatoes and onion and bell pepper and I, I, you know, I'm always a little leery about putting, um, like uncooked bell pepper and onion, like in the crock pot. Cause sometimes it's just like a weird crunchy at the end. Like it, I just mm -hmm. think sometimes crock pot recipes, they have you start on the stovetop and then transfer it. And I'm sorry, that defeats the purpose of a crock pot. So anyway, it was like an all in one Agreed. summer chili with like chicken and the kids loved it, loved okay. it. And it was so easy. I was like, all right. So that link, that link is in the show notes too. But that was my, that was my current mom win. Oh, and my favorite new product, which is unfortunately not so healthy. But okay. when we were in Maui every day at the pool, they would walk by with Moki ice cream. Oh and yeah, yeah. Okay, for those who don't, do you have you had it before? I've had it because they sell it at Whole Foods in the giant freezer. Oh, okay. Well, we a are, bunch of different kinds. Yeah. We do not have Whole Foods like remotely close to us. Um, okay. but Aldi has them. So it's for those who don't know, it's like a doughy exterior with like a flower. I, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. It like keeps the ice cream all together basically, and it's it's, so good. it's like an ice cream ball, but it's yeah. neat to eat. Like you pick it up, and it doesn't get all it doesn't melt all over. It doesn't get all over your hands. And I got the green tea flavor from Aldi just because that's what they had. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're a commercial for food. Aldi. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. They are so good. I haven't given the kids one yet because I don't want to share. Um, but if <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I gave one to Paige. Nick came home with like a whole variety pack one day, and I gave one to Paige. She was really turned off by the by the flowery exterior. So just go ahead and be nice and offer one to her, but she probably won't like it. <laughs> there you go. They're oh, all yours. Oh, you think so? Well, there are only six came I in a box, know. and there may only be two or three left. I'm not. I think <laughs> so. If they Paige like them. <laughs> I'm in she couldn't get past the flowery exterior. I think she would have loved it if she would have just gotten past that, honestly. Because they're not super sweet. That's why I like them. And it's the perfect size. It's 110 calories and it's like I 16-ish grams of carb. Like it's the perfect size dessert. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of those. I haven't had them in a while, but I know exactly what you're talking about and they are delicious. All oh right. Oh my goodness. All right. Okay. So, all right. So our next episode is going to be July 7th. You know, by the time this comes out, um, you will have already heard from our daughters. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. But our next one's going to be July 7th. And we're actually going to be revisiting our 2019 goals, which, oh my gosh, Nicole. So I went back to listen to our, that was, was that our, that was our second podcast yeah. episode. Yeah. This was um, before Brian. So uh, BB and Brian <laughs> is our editor. <laughs> and let me just say once again, thank goodness for him because, oh wow, I am almost tempted to go back and just delete that episode because it is 
terrible. Not that we sound terrible, but just there are so many issues where like I'll be talking over you or I'm talking about something and then you answer like five minutes later. Not not really, but I was, yeah, I was cringing as I went back to remind myself what my goals were. So first of all, I had to remind myself what my goals were, which isn't the best thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so we're going to be reviewing since July is, I cannot believe cannot believe that I'm saying this, but July is halfway into the year. Like, I I can't even believe it. But mind blown. So we're going to, yeah, seriously, we're going to revisit our goals, talk about that. And maybe actually, I know I'm going to come up with a couple new ones for the second half of the year. And I think uh, I need to do the same. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's a good idea. I I like short-term goals. So six months, I think I did pretty well with my, my, I'm still going to work on my, my goals, but I, I need to have some more fuel for my fire for the next year, um, for the rest of the year at least. So uh, don't forget to leave us a review. We will re- read our reviews as we get them. Uh, I know we, we, we're doing really great on having everyone write us a review. And when we first started, we're, we're really in need of a new I, one. So We were hot out of the gates. I, I'm telling I think you. the first time I looked us up, I was like, ooh, we have like 15. And uh-huh. it's just been slow going ever since. So They've dwindled. So come on, guys. Help us out here. feed us and tell us we're pretty leave us a review um that's what i always tell mark tell me i'm pretty compliment me um yeah only leave it if it's a compliment just kidding no um and we have a q a coming up somewhat soon so you should send us your questions and you can reach us dietitians dish podcast at gmail.com and facebook instagram twitter all all those places we are dietitians dish podcast so please come and find us that's right and don't forget we are on all the platforms now overcast itunes android for pocket cast i'm sorry android users can use pocket cast and then also spotify and i know i'm forgetting stitcher so if you or a friend are looking for another platform to find us go there and check us out so until july 7th everyone thanks for listening and be well and nicole i'll see you soon sounds good i will see you soon (laughs) all right see ya See ya. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.